Um, it's good to see you. My name's Steve, and um, if you're with us for the first time, it's great to have you with us. Um, I just want to say well done for coming to the 11.15 service. Um, we, um, we're at capacity at the 9.30 service, and so um, we're back to the same issue we had before we went to two services, and so you get extra points. Um, uh, the worship band always sounds better second time around as well, so... Um, uh, the preaching goes a bit downhill. Um, but, um, um, yeah, so I just really encourage you um, to keep coming to the 11.15 service and see if you can talk at least 20 people who normally go to the 9.15 to come as well. Uh, that would be really, really helpful. Someone hinted at us doing three services. I said, not on my watch. Um, so um, we definitely don't want to do that. So encourage as many warm bodies as you can to lie in and come to the 11.15. That would be great. Um, just a, one other little notice is that um, on the 25th of February, we're going to have some baptisms. Um, and so if you would like to get baptised, we would love to baptise you. Um, so uh, if that's you, do let us know. It's also going to be our 12th birthday. So um, what a way to celebrate. Um, okay, so this morning, um, we um, are kind of continuing with uh, a teaching series that we've launched, which is going to take us through the whole year that we're calling the Year of Biblical Literacy. And uh, the basic idea is this, that in an age where people no longer read, uh, where people don't read books anymore, let alone the Bible, um, that we want, to, um, we want to take a whole year to rediscover the joy of becoming biblically literate. And, um, and uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we started this series, and, uh, and, um, and really over the course of this year, um, uh, my prayer is that each of us would, would pick up our Bibles again, maybe blow off the dust, um, wherever they might be, and, 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 and hopefully in, in the process we would discover a new relationship with this thing that we, we sometimes call God's Word. Um, that we would have a, a new opportunity to, to reinvest. And so as we, as we launch this initiative, really we've been talking uh, in this first part about the Bible itself. We're talking about the position that the Bible has and, and the authority that we believe is given uh, to the Bible. And so last time I spoke a couple of weeks ago, uh, we talked about the problem with the Bible uh, that there are problems, there are things that we wrestle with. Uh, in a few weeks' time, we're going to be talking about the origins of the Bible. And then after that, we're going to be looking at the meaning of the Bible. Um, but this week, um, I want to take some time to think about the reason uh, for the Bible. So if you have your Bible, uh, which is helpful to bring to church, uh, you may have it in electronic form. Um, you're slightly less sinful if you've done that. Um, but if you want to turn to Second Timothy, uh, chapter three, Timothy is a letter written by this guy called Paul, um, and Paul shows up uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, he's this persecutor of the church, known as Saul, and uh, he has this dramatic uh, conversion experience, which kind of propels him to become this prolific church planter. He plants churches all over the Mediterranean, and, um, and much of the New Testament are letters written by Paul to churches. And so um, Paul is writing to Timothy, who is, is in some ways one of Paul's disciples. He's someone Paul has mentored and 
is a little bit of a protege, if you like, of, of Paul. Uh, and so Paul has poured his life into Timothy and he sends him uh, these instructions, uh, picking up in uh, verse, uh, verse 14. He says, As for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learnt and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learnt it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, uh, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, we can approach the, the scriptures in, in a few different ways, a number of different ways. None of them are particularly bad in themselves, but equally, they can be a hindrance. Uh, they can cause us some problems. We can approach the Bible uh, as a textbook, and so we can think the Bible is just a series of historical events that tell us something about humanity uh, and offer us a kind of historical lens on what a particular people were like at a particular time. And so we have this kind of textbook approach to the Bible. Often we can approach the Bible as a cookbook, uh, that we use the Bible to figure out how to do life. Um, uh, that we, if we can just find the right recipe, then everything will be fine. Everything will be in its place. And so if, if we can just piece it together, you know, find the secret remedy, find the secret code, then everything will just be fine. And so we have this kind of cookbook approach. And then we can approach the Bible like a, a coffee table book. Someone asked me, what's a coffee table book? It's, it's one of those big books that you put on a coffee table. Okay, um, They looked at me a bit strange. Um, but we can treat it like a coffee table book, where the Bible just becomes a collection of inspirational thoughts and, and platitudes, uh, where, we, where we take quotes and you know, stick them, most of the time out of context, on fridge magnets. Um, I don't know if you've, you've seen those wonderful fridge magnets. Don't be offended if you've got them. Just take them off if I come around your house. Um, and um, it's kind of like the Oprah Winfrey spirituality. Some of you are thinking, don't pick on Oprah. Um, but you know, where we just take the things that fit and feel nice and comfortable and inspiring. We take those ideas and, 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 and actually we just make them fit what we want to make them fit. And so it becomes this kind of just inspirational book. Sometimes, and perhaps if you've been brought up in a faith community uh, like this one, um, we can approach uh, the, the scriptures or the Bible like some kind of rule book. That as humans, we recognize that we're frail, we're sinful, that we mess things up. So we just need to figure out the rules and everything will be okay. You know, if we just figure out what the rules are and live by the rules, then everything will be okay. And our faith is defined by what we can and can't do. And so we sometimes treat the scriptures in that way. And when the Bible becomes the place that we go to, um, that where we kind of set our standards by, and, and actually the Bible does do that. The Bible has got some instructions about how we live and do things. So there is some truth in that. But but, but maybe 
uh, the Bible is more than that. Maybe it's more than just a rule book. Maybe it's more than just a series of platitudes that we, we lean into. And so if the Bible isn't just a rule book or a cookbook or some inspirational um, writings, then what are we saying it is? What is the reason, reason for the Bible? And um, I, w- I would say this. I would say primarily the Bible is, the unified, is a unified story that leads us to Jesus. And that's why I want to try and unpack a little bit this morning, uh, is this idea uh, of that. That ultimately the Bible is a story. And there are some difficult things. Um, there are some things that challenge us. Um, you know, how many of us have, have been reading our year of biblical literacy and just reading through the scriptures each day? Uh, if you've been keeping up, we're in Exodus now. Um, but how many of us have read through the book of Genesis have just shook our heads in disbelief? You know, there's a pretty messed up bunch of people um, in the scriptures, isn't there? And, and, and lots of messy things seem to happen, you know, as we go through just the first, the first book of the Bible. But as we read the scriptures from start to finish, my hope is that we begin to see this unfolding story of who God is and how God has been working in in human history, how he's been redeeming a people uh, for himself. And we begin not to see just who God is, but who Jesus is and and what he has achieved, what he's done, the the part that he plays uh, in, in the story. And so as you think about this question, the reason for the Bible, I just want us to kind of put on hold our preconceived ideas, okay? Whatever they might be, it's a rule book, it's a, it's a cookbook, you know, however we apply uh, our understanding to the Bible. I just want to put, us, put a hold on that this morning and just offer you three thoughts um, about the reason for the Bible. And, and, and so there are just three things, you know, that... So, you know, what is the Bible for? If we were to ask that question, what is the Bible for? Uh, well, firstly, I would say it's to know who God is. Secondly, second would be to tell the real true story of human history from God's perspective. Not from our perspective, but from God's perspective. And thirdly, to shape us as the people of God so we can live in God's ongoing story. And so they're the three things I want to suggest to us this morning. So number one, what's the Bible for? To know who God is. You see, this is it's not primarily a textbook. It's not primarily a rule book um, or a cookbook. It's not a book with the answers to the secrets of life. That the Bible is primarily a book about God. Now, if you turn to Genesis chapter 1, right at the beginning. If you like to write in your Bible, um, you can put, this book is about God, okay? Before you get to read anything, just, just write at the top, this book is about God. But what does it say? Genesis chapter 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's a book about God. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light. Just one disclaimer, okay? I'm not bothered about arguing about how creation happened, okay? Um, um, okay, so if you think it happened in six literal days, that's great. And if you don't, that's fine too. Okay, that's not the point of why we're looking at this. 
But, and God said, let there be light. And God called the light day. That's verse 5. Verse 6, and God said. Verse 8, and God called. Verse 9, and God said. Verse 10, and God called. You know, there's these rhythms that we see in the opening passages of the scriptures. God said, God called. God said, God called. See, this is not a book that's primarily about you and me. It's a book, book about God. See, the Bible is God's self-revelation. The Bible is a book where God discloses himself to us, where he shows us who he is and what he's like. And we might be uncomfortable with some of those things. We might not quite understand what some of those things look like. And what we learn about this God from the opening lines of this book is that God is a God who wants to communicate. He wants to speak. And, 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 and if God is disclosing himself through the Bible, how is he doing that? How is he revealing himself through the scriptures? Well, suppose one of you was to ask me to describe my wife. Okay. Uh, you know, can, you said, can you describe your wife? And, uh, you know, I might tell you some facts about her. You know, I might say she's female. You'd be pleased to know. She's got brown hair. Um, she's five foot three. Um, I might say she was born on the 14th of April, 19... Um, <laughs> and um, I might say, you know, she likes steak and she hates being late for anything but we repeatedly are. Um, And so I could just report some facts to you. But you might say, actually, no, I want to know what she's like. And I could tell you about her amazing ability to put others first, to, to live sacrificially, to the, the times that she cries at most things. And the time that she laughs so much that it hurts. I could tell you about her courage to do things she never thought she could do. I could tell you how she loves our kids, how, how she has this ability to see the detail in people's lives. Um, I, don't, I don't see that. <laughs> I'm not very good at that. Um, maybe that puts me somewhere. I don't know. Um, You see, when I do that, I'm talking about Tammy as a person, not as as a, a list of facts. You see, the Bible tells us who God is. Now, we might want want the facts. We might want some BuzzFeed sort of ten facts about who God is. But actually, that's not the thing that captures our hearts, is it? That's not the thing that captures our hearts and imagination. That doesn't fully capture the awesomeness of this God who created all things. You know, we so often sing, don't we, each week. We sing of the greatness of God. And sometimes it feels like words are just not enough. My words are not enough. And just having some facts about God don't inspire us enough. Eugene Peterson, who he wrote a book called Eat This Book, and um, he, he says this about the scriptures. He says, This is a text that reveals the sovereign God in being and action. 
It doesn't flatter us. It does not seek to please us. We enter this text to meet God as he reveals himself. Not, not to look for truth or history or morals uh, that we can use for ourselves. What he insisted upon supremely was, was that we do not read the Bible in order to find out how to get God into our lives, get him to participate in our lives. That's getting it backward. And you see what he's saying here is that we're, we're supposed to dive in the Bible and find life in God. We're not meant to take the Bible and make it fit our lives. We're supposed to immerse ourselves in the ongoing story. That as we read it, we we find our lives in its story, not the other way around. It's not how can this book get into my life, but how do I get my life into God's unfolding story? So the story, the Bible is a story about God. And you know, it's a big book, it's, it's complex, we have issues with it. But it's what we believe to be the narrative, doesn't it? We, the, the meta-narrative, the grand narrative that holds all other narratives in place. And really that's what leads me to my second point that the Bible tells us the true story of human history from God's perspective, from God's point of view. And so often we go to the scriptures from our perspective and we have to try and resist that temptation. You know, if you're reading along uh, with the year of biblical literacy and if you've, you know, you thought Genesis was hard work, you know, uh, and there's lots of mess and lots of, Corruption and lots of things going on. But, you know, we, we pick up the opening pages of the Bible, don't we? And God creates Adam and Eve, and, and everything's great. <laughs> They've got this perfect relationship with God. They've got everything at their disposal. They take dominion over creation. And then we get to Genesis chapter 3, and, and they decide to believe the words of a talking snake. Now, that's weird. I don't know how to explain the talking snake thing, but they believe the words of a talking snake, and it says... <laughs> which results in them sinning against God. And that relationship that they were made for is completely broken. And so, uh, and so humanity begins to turn in on itself. Humanity uh, um, begins to rebel against God. And, and, and so we see uh, continued levels of destruction take place uh, in, in mankind. And then, as you've been reading through the book of Genesis, you might have got to the story of Noah. That's an interesting story, isn't it? <laughs> that, that, um, that, that actually humanity gets to such a place that it's time to reset. And God chooses uh, to save Noah and his family. And you think, after all that, surely things will get better. Surely human existence will improve. And yet, after all of that, you know, dry land appears... Noah gets drunk, he goes in the tent, and something peculiar happens with his son. It's just messed up, isn't it? And that's the reality of our human condition. And, and so even though God hit reset, everything carries to unravel, continues to unravel. And then we get to the Tower of Babel, where mankind is going to make a name for himself. 
and, and they're going to make their name better than God. And so as we've been reading through the book of Genesis, we might think, where's the hope? You know, these people are so messed up. Who's going to put this right? Who's going to save this story? How's God going to step in? How's God going to intervene? How's God uh, going to save mankind from himself? And then we get to Genesis 12. And we meet this guy, Abram, who becomes Abraham. And God says to, to Abraham, you don't know me, I don't know you, but would you leave your land and your family and follow me? And he says, yeah, I'll follow you. And God says, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reboot the story through you. I'm going I'm to save the world through your family. But that, the problem is this, this was a family of a guy who couldn't have a family. And so then it, the story gets messed up again. Because he tries to make that family happen. And then once eventually the family comes, that family is a bit messed up. But God continues to redeem and save. Redeem and save. Redeem and save. And you see, that's the story that we find ourselves in. That ongoing story of God redeeming and saving humanity. As one Old Testament scholar says, it was God who created humanity and therefore only God can reveal to us our identity and function as humans. And without this biblical revelation, we are lost in a maze of confusion. You see, through this library of books, God reveals who we are and what we're made for. And as we see the plight of the human condition, as we, as we see our own, we see our own reality. We we see our own brokenness. We see our own pain. You see, as we read the Bible, we don't just find God. Clearly, we do find God in the Bible, but we also find the true story of ourselves. We find ourselves in His story. Leslie Newbigin was a a famous missionary who um, was in India. And um, he tells the story of a time he gave his Hindu friend a Bible to read. And he shares the response that his Hindu friend uh, made. He says this. He said, I can't understand why you missionaries present the Bible to us in India as a book of religion. It's not a book of religion. And anyway, we have plenty of books on religion in India. Why do we need any more? I find your Bible a unique interpretation of universal history, the history of the whole creation and the history of the human race, and therefore a unique interpretation of the human person as a responsible actor in history. That is unique. There's nothing else in the whole religious literature of this world to put alongside it. And so the Bible reveals our story. The third thing that the Bible does is it it shapes us as the people of God so we can live in God's ongoing story. Eugene Peterson, again, he says this. He says, The Christian community has always insisted that the Holy Scriptures reveals God's way to us, uh, is necessary and basic to our... um, 
formation as human beings. In our reading of this book, we come to realise that what we need is not primarily informational, telling us things about God or ourselves, but formational, shaping us into true beings. This is the very nature of language, to form rather than inform. When, when language is personal, which it is at its best, it reveals. And revelation is always formative. We don't know more, but we become more. And you see, this is what happens when we immerse ourselves in the scriptures. We get to know God and we get to know ourselves. And then that forms us into the kind of people we're meant to be. You know, what if we took this year of biblical literacy, where we're reading through the scriptures together, and we said this isn't a year of knowing more, but it's a year of becoming more. How might we become more? How might we invest ourselves in the scriptures in such a way that we become more than who we are right now? I think the answers are kind of pointed to us in that verse that we read at the beginning in 2 Timothy. He says, continue in what you have learnt and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learnt it, and from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. It makes you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, for Paul and for Timothy, the the Holy Scriptures uh, would have been the Old Testament. And uh, as Jewish believers, they would have known, been able to quote it. And what Paul is saying is, is as, as you've immersed yourself in this story, as you've been living in this story, it's made you wise to know and follow Jesus. As you've immersed yourself in this text, it's formed you into the kind of person that understands salvation, that understands what Christ has done, that sees Christ and is formed in the way of Christ. See, that's what the scriptures does. It it does a work in us and on us. And then it says, all scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And you see, this is what the scriptures do. See, the Bible tells us one unified story that's meant to lead us to Jesus. And so as we read the Bible, as we live out the scriptures as we tell and retell the story of God, as we immerse ourselves in God's story. It's kind of like uh, we're actors. And, you know, the, and the Bible is like, is like the first four acts of a grand play. And it's our job to live out the fifth act. And, 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 and in many ways, it's an act that, that is still being written. And, and in many ways, we have to improvise. But we improvise in light of the first four acts. 
Because we know what this God is like. We see what this God is like. And we understand our place, or at least we're beginning to understand our place in his story. And so we keep telling and retelling that story, and we find ourselves, uh, we find that we have a role to play, that we have a role to play in God's ongoing story. And so as his story washes over us, as, as we live it and we read it and we tell it and we retell it, it suddenly begins to have authority in our lives. Paul says it's God-breathed. Literally, that word is inbreathed by God, meaning that this book is, is, has the living, breathing words of God in it. That God breathes through the text, and it has power to bring life, to, to teach us, to correct us, to transform us. That the scriptures have authority, they offer training in righteousness, whatever that means. N.T. Wright, who's one of my favorite New Testament theologians, he, he said this. He said, somehow, meaning um, he's referring to the scriptures, he says, somehow the authority which God is invested in this book is, a, is an authority that wields and exercise, is exercised through the people of God, telling and retelling their story as the true story of creation, in particular through God's telling of the story of Jesus. You know, when we um, set out to do this year of biblical literacy, where we set out to kind of read through the scriptures together over a year, it wasn't so we would just have more knowledge, that we'd just become more proficient at finding really awkward books in the Bible or anything like that. That actually that the scriptures would would come and do a work on us, that it would transform us, and that we would recognise that as we pick up the scriptures, as we, as we read them, as we grapple with them, as we wrestle with some of its content, that actually we would begin to see who this God is and see him in a new light, in a, in a new way, that we begin to see who we are in the, in the unravelling story that God is writing and that we would see our place in, in seeing it become all that it's meant to become as we go forward. 